Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. God put those three words in the Bible. I love you. Um, Truth, truth has a comforting impact on us. It is a compass. And the only way you can find it is in the scriptures through the person of Jesus Christ himself and his written word. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, I grew up in a loving Christian home. However, learning about Jesus was primarily done at church. And because of this, I had a foundation of faith, but I really didn't understand what it was like to have a living faith. But when I was in college, I moved from religion to relationship, and that's when I found that living faith. And when I became a mom several years later, I knew that I didn't want the church to be the primary place where my kids learned about God. I wanted home to be the primary place where my kids' faith was nurtured. But honestly, I didn't know how to do that. I had never seen it modeled for me, so it was definitely new territory. And I'd even say it was uncomfortable at times. But I read books and I found inspiration from authors who showed me how to be a mom, who taught her kids about Jesus. And I began to take baby steps in that direction. So the topic we're diving into today is how to teach your kids about Jesus, but I'm not going to tackle it alone. Joining me today is my friend, Dana Grush. Dana is the founder of True Girl. She's authored over 27 books, including Lies Young Women Believe. She did that with Nancy Lee DeMoss and Lies Girls Believe. She also hosts an online Bible study for tweens and their moms, as well as for teens. Dana definitely understands what kids need from their parents. So welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Dana. Hello, friend. This is fun. It's just like having coffee together. It's been a while since we've had real coffee together. It has been. I know it. (laughs) Entirely too long. You have to let me know when you're back in this area, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is fun. And I look forward to this topic because I can so remember being a young mom and just feeling a little lost, like wanting to do something Mm -hmm. that I just didn't even know how to do. What was your story like? I mean, I shared a little bit of my story there. What was your story like? Well, interestingly enough, so you struggled a little bit because you didn't have an example of how to do it. 
oddly enough, I struggled because I had such a great example of how to do it. Like the other end of the spectrum was how can I ever live up to the way my mom discipled us? It was just so I remember being eight years old and my mom handing me a daily bread for children and saying, it's time for you to start to have personal quiet time. It's time for you to start to study the word of God every day. It's time for you to have your own prayer life. And then she just kind of threw me in the deep end with the book and said, do it. And just this expectation that I could. um, And I think that set my life on a, a trajectory to love God's word. But that's just an example of the confidence and the intentionality with which she approached discipling us. And so when I became a mom, I was like, uh, that's all. Those are big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then you almost could be paralyzed by comparing yourself. Yeah. I feel like it doesn't matter what our past is. The enemy is going to try to tell us that that is going to cripple us, hogtie us, make it difficult for us. It's it's the same lie, just a different way he tells it to us. So I had to figure out that, you know, your no more perfect lineup is so the Gresh family. Like we are the no more perfect model family. And um, we've just kind of embraced that and decided to live in the transparency of needing God's grace. And our children have seen that. And my readers, my listeners have seen that and my friends see that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's also key to us um, putting our toe in the water and beginning mm-hmm. to teach our kids about God and, and is to really kind of let ourselves off the hook to be perfect in doing it. Yep. Because we're going to, we're not going to do it perfectly, but honestly, that's also a part of what our kids need to learn and they need to know, you know, because if we try to be perfect, then all we're doing is setting them up for super high expectations of themselves. And we don't Mm want to do that. Yeah. Um, What we've decided is that what we want to be is strategic. That's a, that's the word my husband has used. So there are absent parents, parents that are really AWOL, mostly a lot of times dads in the statistics of our country. There are a lot of dads who are not actively involved in their kids' lives. And um, But in terms of spiritual discipleship, I think if we compared a lot of ourselves as moms or dads, we'd find, ah, we're a little AWOL, like we're very intentional about teaching our kids the habits of body care, academic diligence, even extracurricular disciplines. We're very intentional about introducing those things early. But a lot of times when it comes to spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines, we aren't we are we we tend to be a little bit neglectful. But most people fall in that category of we're active parents. Like we show Mm -hmm. up the soccer games, we're checking the homework, we're, you know, we're there, we're there, we're there, we're there. But not many of us choose to be, and by virtue of the fact that you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in this third category, but not many choose to be strategic parents where Mm -hmm. we're saying, 
I'm not going to be perfect. I don't have to get everything right, but I am going to be intentional about how I raise my children. And I think we need to make a choice at some point. I am going to be strategic about the way I form and nurture the faith of my children. Yes, yes. Well, and you know, this morning I was praying um, before our time together, and God reminded me of a book I wrote. It's uh, My Heart's at Home, Becoming the Intentional Mom Your Family Mm, Needs. Okay, there's that word, intentional. And one of the chapters is Home as a Church. I'm going to read this because I think this is really important. Between birth and age 18, a parent will spend approximately 58,200 waking hours with their child. If the family takes that child to church for two hours every week during the same period of time, the church will have the child for just 1,872 hours. So Mm -hmm. we have 58,200 hours and the church has 1,872 hours over 18 years. So with that disparity, in hours of influence, we need to understand that home needs to be the church because yep. we have the opportunity for more influence than, yep. than they're even going to get on Sunday morning at church and at youth group and those kind of things. I love that. Um, I've often said, and I got this from Awana, uh, w- the church gets one out of 168 hours a week. Mm, there you yeah, go. It, it's not enough to form a faith. It's Mm-mm. not enough to direct a heart. And 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 on the other hand, if you go to the scriptures, I mean, it's not just reasonable and intelligent that you would be the church, your home would be the church. But scripture tells us in Deuteronomy 6 that we're supposed to teach our children to walk in the truth. And we do that when we sit with them, when we walk with them, when we stand with them, when we rise with them. And I think the scripture uses all those different verbs because it's saying, hey, listen, it's got to be every moment, every day. This is a battle. There is good and evil in the world. And if you are not vigilant every single moment to be looking for those opportunities to nurture your child's faith, Mm -hmm. there's just not a standing chance of them Mm -hmm. ever walking and living in truth. Yeah. And I once heard somebody call that devotional living. Like you're just living with a um, sense of the presence of God, a sense of uh, turning everyday opportunities into lessons, mm-hmm. uh, an opportunity lessons. to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into the nitty gritty because I'm all about practical, Dana. And I think that's what really ultimately why people listen to the No More Perfect podcast is that we get into the the practical side of things. So when somebody doesn't know what to do, they have a desire but they just don't know what to do. Where is a first place that they can get started? What would you suggest as a first step? Well, um, I, I think there's two things you need to, to get your hands on. One is tools. Mm-hmm. The other is time. Mm-hmm. Tools and time. Uh, you know, even feeling really confident as a mom to disciple my kids, I was always looking for the next best tool what is that tool? And at their stage of development, uh, how do I need to change their toolbox? So for example, when my kids were really little, I got them into Awana. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. I didn't just send them once a week to do their stuff, but through the week I did their workbook with them and I helped them with their scripture memory and I was actively involved. So I didn't have to like make up a curriculum. I, mm-hmm. I've never been that mom where I'm like, I want to start from scratch. Gee, that really sounds good. I have a few extra days in my week to create a curriculum for my kids. So I was always looking for that curriculum. So tools, find the tools, do the research. Mm-hmm. And then time. For me as a mom, I had to schedule the time, just like I have to schedule my time with God. I put it right in my calendar. Because yes. um, if I don't do that, the urgency, the urgent stuff takes over, the homework takes over, the basketball schedule, the ballet schedule, all that stuff. So I would be like, okay, this is the night that we're going to work on spiritual development. Now, that didn't mean I wasn't working on it other times. Mm-hmm. Um For example, when my son was in middle school, my husband started taking him out on Thursday night. Well, actually, I remember it as Mondays, but he remembers it at Thursdays. There's a debate in that (laughs) British household. Um, But one night a week at 8.30 p.m., he drove Mm. Robbie to a, a sports bar and they had wings together. And that was their intentional scheduled time to talk about spiritual things. Now, how old would Robbie have been at this point? He, He was middle school. So... You know, it was really a big deal that he got to stay up late. It was really a big deal that he got to bust up against bedtime. So it was very exciting for him. And Bob Bob would tell me, they would come home and I'd be like, what Bible verses did you talk about? And what scripture truths did you talk about? And he'd be like, you know, tonight we were just together. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's okay, too. Um, but I think having tools in your hands and scheduling time are two of the first things you need to do to really be equipped and intentional. Well, and I love what you just said there. Um, Okay, let's just talk about difference between moms and dads because uh, if you take it out... Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) And this is so often where we as moms uh, can honestly exasperate our husbands because we're it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough. It's not the way we wanted it to be done. And yet what Bob was doing in that moment is he was building a connection with Mm -hmm. your son. And, you know, that might not have been a night that they pulled out the Bible and they talked specifically about a scripture, but he was building a connection so that Mm -hmm. he actually uh, could pull that out in times in difficult times and he could, uh, he could communicate and it would be more received because of their relationship. Yeah. And that's, that's a very important word to us here at our ministry, true girl. And, um, Bob leads born to be brave is parent child connectedness. Yes. We stumbled across that word back in, I don't know, the 90s when we were pretty young parents and trying to figure out still some of our own um, pain, some of our sin from our teen years. Uh, you know, how do we make sure, you know, the, the, the fear that we have as parents, especially women, is how do I make sure my daughter doesn't do that? thing with that yeah. I did, whatever that thing that I did was. And um, so we were just really engaged in social science research and figuring out how do we reduce the risk? And the number one risk reducer across the board for everything our heart fears is parent-child connectedness. That's just yeah. intentional togetherness. Um, it's 
making sure you have dinner together three to five times a week, which is very rare in our culture. Families do not have dinner together. They're having dinner in front of screens or having dinner at different times. Having dinner together is one of the really important things you can do if you want to be strategic in your children's moral and spiritual development. Mm. Um, it's uh, connectedness is when your kid brings home that weird recipe from science class at school. You like go to Walmart, buy the stuff, make the thing because that's really exciting to them. When they're older, it's, you know, playing laser tag and going out yep. and going go karting. It's intentional togetherness. It's building traditions in your home. That doesn't mean you're necessarily opening the scripture and explaining the theology of sanctification and justification. It's just like (laughs) we are together. And across the board, we see that families that practice intentional connectedness, their kids are less likely to be um, sexually active at an early age. They're less likely to experience violence in their teen years. They're less likely to be involved in substance abuse. They're more likely to excel academically. They're more likely to have positive social relationships. They're more likely to be contributors to society. So in our busy, busy culture, which I think the pandemic just reminded us how busy we really are. I think one thing we all liked was the pace that we Mm -hmm. slowed down. We had a moment to breathe and invest in our families. It is so important that we learn that lesson and that we hold on to that lesson so that we are having those intentional moments of connection. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, when I teach on my No More Perfect Kids uh, book and that topic, one of the things I talk about is we're going to talk today about connecting with your child. We're not going to talk about correcting your child. Although I'm quite sure that your child needs to be corrected. But if you're connected, you'll be so much more effective at correcting. And we, we, I think we get it backwards sometimes. Absolutely. You know, we believe in that so strongly. Um, we, my husband and I founded a Christian high school a couple decades ago, and we have developed a discipleship model of Christian education. It's very different. It's very unique. And one of the things that we do is when a student has been found to be, I don't know, cheating or lying or behaving badly, we don't, they don't go to the principal's office. They go mm-hmm. to their discipleship group leader. Each child is in a pod of four to five other students that they connect with. And that pod has a discipleship group leader that once a week they go out for two hours of connection. They have lunch at a public restaurant. They go for a walk in the park and they're just known. Now, they also are like when they're going over Bible homework and stuff, they might say, hey, everybody, go get in your Bible, your um, discipleship pods. But there's a relational connection there with that discipleship group leader. That discipleship Mm. group leader doesn't have authority to give, uh, we don't even have demerits, to give demerits or detention or any of those kinds of consequences. But we go to the place of connection to say, hey, what made you cheat you plagiarized on this paper what on earth made you do that and so many times it's far more effective that kid will be like ah i don't know like had a bad moment and we don't have to do a lot of correction because that kid self-corrects because of the connection yes oh my goodness And you said something right there. um, You kind of went through it quickly and I want to go back to it. You said it's a place 
uh, where they they are really known. Yes. And so let's let's talk about that for a moment because you know I confess as a mother of five, um, I tended to, uh, particularly in the early years before I understood um, that uh, the the connection I needed to have individually with my kids. I tended to parent the herd. <laughs> okay. It would like, yep. I would, her, I would herd everybody to church and I would herd everybody to the store and everything was done as a group. Yep. And you really can't be known in a herd. Mm-hmm. And so this is a, a part of this connection that we're talking about um, is really connecting with our kids' hearts individually, seeing yes. what they enjoy, stepping mm-hmm. into their world. And it may be something that you don't enjoy at all, but in order to connect with them, and if we connect, then we have influence. And if we have influence, then ultimately, then we can have spiritual influence, right? right. But it comes down to knowing that child. Yeah. And in fact, we take this so seriously at True Girl. We um, have a discipleship, monthly discipleship tools that we send out to moms who subscribe to them. There's a digital option and there's a box option where they get like monthly devos and lots of tools to help them in their spiritual walk, but also a mother daughter written date plan. And we just call Mm -hmm. it that a mom daughter date. And we tell the moms, you know, just once a month. Be intentional with your daughter to set her aside. And they're really simple things. We really try to keep them simple. That's one of our goals is mom doesn't have to do a lot of work. She just has to prepare and connect with that daughter. And we tell them if you have two or three daughters, we really encourage you to do them separately. Or if you have like eight kids and okay, you have two daughters, just make it the girls night. But it's a way of isolating them and saying, you are seen, you are known, you are understood, you are loved. When you say about the herd mentality, I felt so guilty because I'm like, you know, it wasn't just the kids. It was the dog, too. There were times when they were all (laughs) underfoot. And I would instead of saying, you know, hey, Lexi, I would I'd be like, hey, Moose, you know, because the the wrong name would come out because it was just this whole motherhood is like that, you know, where you're just like, take care of the herd, make sure the herd gets the right place. The herd needs food. Um, And it's so Mm -hmm. important every now and then to just sit down and give one-on-one eye contact and attention to each child. Almost to, in fact, I remember when I was sharing about some of those early books that I read, one was a book by Elise Arndt, one was A Mother's Touch, and one was A Mother's Time. And I remember one of the chapter titles was, I Feel Like an Only Child. Mm. And I believe that she had six children, but she worked hard to help each one of them feel like they were an only child. Mm-hmm. And that was so challenging to me to to think, okay, I need to be in back to intentional, strategic. And that's where you put those things on the calendar ahead of time. Like, yeah. This is where advanced decision-making comes in because you need to decide for the next six months, when is that time going to be with each of your kids? And here's where I think biblically that's important. Um, The book of Proverbs says, and I'm paraphrase here, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So the understanding we have at a first glance of this passage is, 
there's a right way that a child has to go. It's God's way. Teach him about it. But if you look more closely at the Hebrew language, um, the word train was the Hebrew word derek, and it was a marksman's term. So imagine a warrior with his bow and his arrow, and um, what does he want to do with that bow and arrow? He wants to hit the bullseye. He wants to hit the target, right? Mm -hmm. But um, the concept for the word train, derek, was not about training the arrow where to go. Rather, it was the process that a marksman used to train himself to understand his bow and his arrow. So um, it it wasn't like today where we can walk into Dick's Sporting Goods and buy a bow and arrow with gadgets and buttons on it and turn it. No, I mean, I'm not I'm not a marksman, but I could hit the broadside of a barn with one of today's bows and arrows. Uh, Each bow, each arrow came from a different piece of wood. And depending on the type of wood, it would have different strengths, different flexibilities, Unless the marksman knew his bow very well, knew the type of arrows in his pack Mm. very well, he could not hit his mark. So the concept in this scripture is study your child, train yourself to know your child. Mm. When you train up yourself to know your child, then you can teach him the way to go. Because, hey, if I discipled my Robbie, who's very compliant, very organized, very rational, the same way that I discipled my Lexi, who's very creative, very whimsical, very, I want to explore things and discover things my own way. I would not hit the same target. I need to know, I need to know them. Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. That is a it's powerful when you understand the original language, you understand what it meant. Um, very powerful. And just a reminder of getting to know our kids. And, you know, people might be listening um, to this and maybe their kids are older and they're thinking, oh, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want people to know. It's never too late. Yes. It is never too late. I mean, even with you as an adult, if your parent today, you know, assuming they're still alive, if they took it upon themselves to get to know you better as an adult, Mm -hmm. it would change your relationship with them even as an adult. Mm -hmm. So it is never too late. And, you know, maybe your kids are teenagers and you're thinking, is this even possible um, yes, it is absolutely possible. Even yeah, at when you a late talk stage. about when you talk about no more perfect parenting, I think one of the marks of a good imperfect parent is apologies and saying, "I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't do that well." And Bob and I always tried to do that. I think it's okay to say, "I just listened to a podcast, and I realized that I haven't been very intentional." about nurturing your spirit. And it's so worthy of being nurtured. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you do an online Bible study with me, teenage girl. (laughs) And she will roll her eyeballs and say, oh, mom, be like, no, I know that you might feel that way, but I think it might be really meaningful for me. Would you do it for me? You know, a lot of times when we Mm -hmm. take that kind of approach, um, I hear again and again from moms who register their girls for our online Bible studies, and they aren't happy about it. They're teenagers. Their tweens are so excited, but their teenagers are like, do we have to? And then the second or the third week, they're like, I've never felt closer to you, mom. 
Yeah. Like, this is so cool. Yes. Yes. And so this is what I've also learned is, especially in parenting, if you want something different, you've got to push through awkward to get to a new normal. Yeah. Okay. Because that awkward, you know, because, and so I can remember the first time that this happened for me, I was, so I was in moms in prayer and I was in this moms in prayer group and I was learning so much about prayer and I was learning how to pray and prayer was becoming a bigger part of my life. Okay. And so I, I was feeling like I wanted to be intentional about praying with my kids Mm -hmm. and So I was trying to figure out what to do. And I had a dear friend uh, who was about 10 years ahead of me in in parenting, had eight kids. And um, I knew that she prayed with her kids. And so I asked her, where where can I start? And she said, "Um, I started with kitchen door prayers. And Mm -hmm. I said, all right, what's kitchen door prayers? She says, well, as they're walking out the kitchen door on their way Mm -hmm. to school, we just pause. I lay my hand on their shoulder and I pray over something that I know is going to happen in their school day today. Maybe they have a test. Maybe they're struggling in a relationship. I just pray something and I pray to bless their day and I send them off. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And uh, I told my kids, uh, they were junior high. The two oldest were junior high at the time. And I mean, they looked at me like I had two heads. Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> mom, this is stupid, you know? And I was like... No, I really would like to do it. Please, would you let me uh, uh, do that each morning as you get ready to leave? And and they did. They rolled their eyes and and they tolerated it. But mm-hmm. let me tell you, about the second week, my mm-hmm. daughter says, "Hey, mom, when you pray today, would you pray for Eric? His parents are going through a divorce, and they're mm-hmm. and he's really struggling." And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Mm-hmm. So I did. And then the next day, it was Eric and someone else, and, and so. Eventually, I said, you know what, let's move this and just do kitchen island prayers before we get ready. And I'll pray for you and you pray for your friends. And they were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And you know what? We created a new normal. Yeah. It's now normal for me to pray with my kids, um, those that are walking with the Lord. I have a couple that are not, but um, that's normal. But we had to push through that awkward place to get to that new normal. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly. I feel like when we do that, you know, you can feel so, I I think I'm looking for a word, Um, comatose paralyzed sometimes in your parenting Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. when your daughter comes home and there's mean girl drama and you just feel so like mama bearish and you want to rise up, but you also want to help her equip her and not just freak out Um, that there's moments like that, that you feel very paralyzed. But I found that when I was being strategic to pray for my kids, when I was being strategic to pray with my kids, when I was being strategic to get them into the word, that that sense of paralysis didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was like supernaturally overridden. Um, it affects every area of parenting. It affects the toothbrushing and the the do the dinner dishes instructions Mm -hmm. and it affects everything when Mm -hmm. we get them into a place of connecting to God through prayer and the word. Yeah. Well, because it gives them in an internal compass, 
Mm-hmm. And boy, they need that. You know, they need yeah. that internal compass. Life is hard as a kid, as a tween, as a teen. Uh, there's a lot of challenges. And if they have that internal compass that helps them to sort through uh, those kind of uh, challenges. That, that's in essence what we're doing is we're equipping them with that internal and, compass. And they need that compass today more than ever. Um, you know, I didn't have to raise my children with eighth graders who were changing their gender and pronouns and name. <laughs> I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to go through the, um, accusations of hate speech. If you talked about Jesus, if you talked about the distinctions in gender, I didn't have to go through. There's, um, yeah, that Olympian isn't really a female biologically, but they are being a lot. I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just one area. I'm just talking about right. one area, gender, where mm-hmm. The, they get confused and they want so desperately to know what is truth. Well, truth is not facts, okay? Because if that were the case, facts would make us feel comfortable. Facts, mm-hmm. when we read the news and find out that um, terrible things are happening in other countries, atrocities are happening against women, those facts don't comfort us, they terrify us. But Mm. truth, whether it's a hard truth or whether it's um, a comforting truth, has Mm -hmm. a peaceful impact on our spirits. Yes. Yes. The Bible Bible says, John 8, 31, 32, if you're truly my disciples, you will abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Mm -hmm. even if that truth is, you know, you can't cheat on a test because the Bible says you cannot lie. You know, that's truth. You know, it's like, ah, well, that doesn't feel good in the moment, but it brings eventually freedom and peace. But also Mm -hmm. there are so many scriptures that are full of, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. I knew you in the secret place. You were where, and I formed you. Mm -hmm. Um, Or my favorite passage from Isaiah, where he says, I'll walk with you through the flood. I'll walk with you through the fire. And then he ends that beautiful passage with, and I love you. And I love you. God put those three words in the Bible. I love you. Um, Truth, truth has a comforting impact on us. It is a compass. And the only way you can find it is in the scriptures through the person of Jesus Christ himself and his written word. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if somebody wanted to open their open God's word with their child, you talked about tools. um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, definitely weave some of these tools that you've talked in here, but where would somebody start with that? Like we even just talked about, you could start with um, prayer with kitchen door prayers, or mm-hmm. even, uh, even, you know, you can pray as you're driving down the street and you see a gorgeous sunset. You can mm-hmm. say, Lord, thank you for that beautiful sunset. And that's a prayer that's yeah. teaching our kids to pray in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. But w- what about God's word? How, how can we practically, like, where would we start? Well, um, a little devotional, a family devotional, um, have it on the kitchen table, by the kitchen table, near the kitchen table. It can be a three to five minute read, but Mm -hmm. just at dinner time or breakfast time in the morning, take a few moments, read one verse and a few thoughts about it. You don't have to make it deep and difficult. 
mm-hmm. just has to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Just just like we care for our bodies, just like we care for our minds, we have to care for our souls every single day in a diligent, consistent manner. So put a little Devo on the kitchen table. Um, maybe your family pattern is you have a drive. Maybe you drive your kids to school for some reason. Uh, that time in the car, drive time, car mm. time, listen to a podcast. We just started a, a true girl podcast so that moms and daughters can listen to um, in 10 minutes, a scripture verse and some thoughts. I know you and your granddaughter yeah. have a podcast for that same age group, you yeah. know, um, make Make that time instead of listening to mindless music that might not help you or news that's going to make you fearful. Yes. Tune into God's word. Find a podcast that you and your kids can enjoy together, whatever stage they're at developmentally. There are everywhere you are. I mean, if Deuteronomy says when you sit, when you walk, when you stand, all those ways, find a place in all those places. Yes. That you can acknowledge God either in prayer or turning to his word. Yes. Oh, that's so, so valuable. Um, yes. Ours is called the between pod- podcast, the between podcast. Um, and what is yours called? True girl, the true girl podcast. And let, let's say, let's say, let's talk about tweens for just a moment because developmentally I've learned through my research that those years, those preteen years are the most significant years for moral and spiritual development more than Mm. any other period in a child's life. Um, Before that, they're kind of in what I would call the copycat phase. Mm -hmm. They just want to be you. They still think Mm. mom and dad are pretty awesome. And, you know, when they're three, they want car keys and a cell phone because you have one. Your daughter wants an ironing board. God bless her because you have one. Uh, she's not going to want one in years to come, but she wants one (laughs) then because you have one, you know, um, and that, really continues till they're about six or eight years old, somewhere in that stage. And then they enter what I call the counseling phase of moral development. This is when they're starting to ask the question, why? Why Mm. can't I have ice cream before dinner? Why does my girlfriend next door have two moms instead of a mom and a dad? Why does do we go to church? Why, why, why? why? Pascal said the question why was always a spiritual question. No matter what the question is, it is us asking something about Mm. God. Even why can't I have ice cream before dinner? Well, that goes back to, well, first Corinthians six tells us your body is the temple of the living God. Therefore glorify God with your body. We take care of our bodies not because it makes us feel good, not because it makes us look better in pictures, although those are really awesome benefits. We take care of our body because it's the temple of the living God. And so we got to put vegetables in it, fuel. We've got to put water in it, gasoline. We've got to put the right things in our bodies. That's a spiritual question. Your kid's going to wear you out with those questions in their Mm -hmm. preteen years. But by their teen years, they're not going to ask what you think anymore. They don't care. They're in the coaching phase. That's what I call the teen years because they're out on the playing field of life, living what they've decided they believe. Mm -hmm. And every now and then, but it's so rare. They sit on the sidelines. It's usually the end of your bed at 11 o'clock at night when you're totally exhausted (laughs) (laughs) and, and and they open their hearts up to what you think, but it's much less common. 
And so what um, sociologists have decided is that those years between eight and 12 are when we are really deciding what we believe. Mm. And George Barna says that what we believe by our 13th birthday is usually what we die believing. Wow. That's how significant it is. That's how significant it is. So if you have a child or a grandchild between those years, really get strategic. Yes. Build the habits of being in the word, build the habits of prayer, build the habits of listening and counseling them and putting your to do list aside to answer all those why questions, because they are in those years where they're deciding, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? What do I believe about this world? Yeah. Oh, thank you. That is a powerful call to all of us. So powerful. Well, um, it's time for us to uh, kind of begin to bring things to a close. How can I that want, be? We've I only know. just started. <laughs> I know. We could go on for a long time, Dana. This has been rich. But I want to make sure that our listeners know where to find you online, where to find the True Girl resources, maybe some specific ones, uh, some specific resources you want to make sure and call out that that the parents or the grandparents that are listening uh, know about. Uh, Can Mm -hmm. you tell us, uh, maybe highlight some of the best resources that somebody can tap into? Yeah, well, um, visit us at mytruegirl.com or borntobebrave.com. We have subscription boxes, which are really just discipleship toolboxes for both mm-hmm. tween girls and tween boys. For the girls, we ship them monthly. For the boys, we come out with them periodically. But you can select from any of the boxes we have available for the boys. Um, and then the other thing is we offer these great online Bible studies that I think are truly life-changing. We get stories from moms, stories from girls every day about God has used the truth to set them free mm-hmm. as they dig into the word together every week and then come together online with thousands of other tween girls and and teen girls across the country and their moms to just really understand and declare their faith. So I would love to have you join us on one of those online Bible studies. You can learn about all of those things at mytruegirl.com. I love that. Yes. Okay. And where can we follow you on? Are you active on social media? I'm fairly active. It depends on the week, Jill. It depends on the (laughs) week. But Dana Gresh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And um, yeah, you'll find out what I'm up to pretty regularly on those places. Okay. We'll make sure and include all of those links in the show notes uh, so that uh, you don't have to remember them. But uh, Dana, would you close us out here and uh, just pray for the parents that are listening and, uh, and for them to take that next right step? Yeah. Lord, I just thank you for this mom, this dad, this grandma, this grandpa who's taking time to just really hear how they can form the heart, the spirit of their, Mm. their precious child or grandchild. Yes. Lord Lord bless them for this time. And you know, I'm just, as, as I'm beginning to talk to you, Lord, I'm sensing that maybe their first step would be talking to someone they trust who's raised beautiful kids Mm. and just saying, Hey, can we have coffee? I need Mm -hmm. some encouragement. Can you tell me how you did it? Or, Mm -hmm. Hey, this one particular kid, I'm not getting. Can you help me think of creative ways to to, mm-hmm. to reach them, to yeah. reach them for Christ? Father, I pray that they'd reach out to that person, even bring that person to mind right now. Mm. 
But we give our children to you, Lord. And that's a scary thing in this world where the world has lost its compass. But Father, we don't have to lose ours. You are our compass. You are our truth. I pray, Father God, that you would just encourage every parent right now that they can put that compass in their child's heart. And Lord, for for the parent listening who has a prodigal, whether they're 13 or 33, Lord, that compass, it's still in there. Yes. We pray, Father, that you'd wake it up. Yes, Father We God. pray, Father, that you would point it to true north. Mm-hmm. We pray, Father, that you would bring our children back to us. Yes, Father God. In the God. precious and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free ebooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.